and welcome to another segment of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host, E. Vandervliet, here with his trusted canine co-host, Woody. Woody, how you doing? Woody says woof. And with that one woof, Woody has an ask, and that ask is to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So go over to our website, thepblpodcast.com, thepblpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, because yes, we're putting this audio out on the podcast as well as the video up on YouTube, please subscribe, 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 because life is not the matrix. Life is an algorithm. All right, was, I left the last segment with Jane Fonda, but I got a a news alert that came over. So I want to go ahead and open it with this and we'll get back into the Fonda thing. And then we'll also close out today with some uh, ratings for sports. doesn't look good. doesn't look good. Anyway, Trump says he will not waste my time with a virtual debate after the CPD, the uh, group that does presidential debates, uh, announces changes. So President Trump, in his first interview since his positive coronavirus test, told Fox Business Maria Bartiromo on Thursday that he will not participate in the next debate, just minutes after the Commission on Presidential Debates announced the showdown started uh, for October 15th will be virtual. So President Trump is saying because this is a virtual debate, he is not going to waste his time. And he is absolutely right. Now he goes on, uh, or the article goes on, the commission changed the debate style and that's not acceptable to us. Trump said on mornings with Maria, I beat him in the first debate. I beat him easily. That's debatable, right? The president added that he expected to beat him in the second debate also. And I think he would. Uh, I'm not going to do a virtual debate, Trump went on. I'm not going to waste my time at a virtual debate. The president said he wasn't going to sit at a computer to debate, calling it ridiculous. And he's absolutely right. Uh, They're trying to protect Biden, Trump said. Everyone is absolutely right. What Trump should have done in that last debate is Trump should have let Biden talk. That's where Trump's mistake was. Trump should have let Biden slide off the rails. You know, the man's cheese has been sliding off the cracker for a while during this, ele- this, this election season. He w- he, you could see the decline in Joe Biden's cognitive abilities from the beginning of the campaigning when he was running for the nomination to where he is right now. If Trump would have just let him speak this last go round, if Trump would have not interrupted him, I believe that Biden would have slipped up. I believe he would have slipped up a lot. But Trump didn't do that. Now, if it's a virtual debate, <clears throat> Biden's got every apparatus in front of him, monitor screens, everything to help him, to, to tell him what to say. So, no, a virtual debate is a bad idea at a presidential election. I mean, it's a bad idea at any level of election, senator, congresspersons, what have you. A virtual debate just gives each side, not just one side, but each side the ability to game the system by having more um, information in front of you, whether it's fed to you by somebody else. It doesn't give you the opportunity to see a candidate truly as the candidate it gives a candidate the opportunity for people behind the scenes to pull the levers and tell you what to say and a virtual debate would do just that so i'm with trump on this one but it's just a damn shame that now we we don't have another debate coming up unless the 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 cpd changes their uh decision reverses what they just said which is highly unlikely but it could happen 
it looks like we're not going to have another debate. Now, of course, they're using the excuse because Trump contracted the coronavirus. So let's bring, let's get back to Jane Fonda. Remember what Jane Fonda said about the coronavirus? COVID is God's gift to the left. God's, God's gift to the left. COVID is God's gift to the left. What an absolute horrible human being this woman is. What I just, how, how can anyone say something like, and she laughs, she giggles as if it's something cute. I mean, listen to the rest of what she said though. I mean, I think it was a very difficult thing to send down to us, but it has ripped the Band-Aid off who he is and what he stands for and what is being done to average people and working people in this country. We can see it now. People who couldn't see it before, you know, they see it now. And we have a chance to harness that anger and make a difference. So I just, I feel so blessed to be alive right now. What a cretin. What an absolutely awful, awful human being. I mean, COVID is God's gift to the left. All right, Jane. COVID is not God's gift to the left. COVID is China's gift to the left. And given how you leftists look at government as your God, I guess in your mind, it is God's gift to the left because you and many of your leftist partners, comrades, if you will, view government as the almighty. China unleashed this on America. Think about, and I mentioned this on a previous show, the Chinese government, unleashed a man-made virus on the world and the president of the United States of America, arguably the most powerful position in the world, contracted this disease. And this horrible human being, this pond scum of a woman, is going to sit there and say, this is God's gift to the left? Oh, my God. What absolute scum just absolute scum you know how you, you just when you get this is the left this is who the left are you know when you know she giggles right after she says it the host they show a picture of the host he's even taken aback she even says i probably shouldn't have said that no you shouldn't have said it jane but it's what it's it's what's in your heart it's who you are it's who the left is and this is what has just, I don't know, you know, Biden has a chance to win this election. And this is who they are. This is the left. Jane Fonda are the far left radicals. They are the people that will be in charge. And he has a chance to win. You know, when the Barack Obama was running for president, I said the same thing. I, I looked at his candidacy is the far left and they are and he is and i said there's no way there's no way he can win and he did i don't say that anymore and then when i was watching the 2016 election hey i'm one of the many who thought hillary's gonna get it and i'm like unbelievable 
Now I watch the 2020 election and I say, you know what? It looks like Biden has a chance. He's a worse candidate than Hillary. And I've said this many times, say it again. In 2016, if Biden had ran, he would have won. He would have won easily. He would have won not only the popular vote, he would have won the Electoral College. But they didn't run Biden because they had some backroom deals to run Hillary, who is the most crooked candidate to ever run for office. So now we have a man whose cognitive abilities are in serious question. And it's not, it's, it's, it's obvious, but yet he's a razor thin vote away from being elected president of the United States of America. And it's just, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong, but we've got less than uh, four weeks now for the election. I mean, we are this close. Now, if, if, if Trump wins after contracting COVID, what is Jane Fonda going to say now? Is she going to, you know, go back on those words? Or is she going to say, you know what, I was right. Maybe it is God's gift because it won Trump the election. Why, why do you say that? E, that doesn't make any sense. All right, listen, hear me out. Trump, uh, you know, what are we in day what of him having the virus? Six, seven days now? He announced last Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, we're seven days in, possibly eight days in of him having this virus. If he's not getting real sick now, you know, statistically, he's going to be fine. If all those people in his cabinet don't get sick, and I'm not talking about dying, by the way. I said just get sick. Let's say all of them got really nasty sick and it knocked them out and they all were bedridden for a week or so. That would be bad. But so far, Trump hospital three days. And he's, he looks fine. And then, uh, and then the left is all, um, beside themselves saying he has the best treatment in the world. He has all these experimental medicines that nobody else has access to, which is simply not true. And he said so. He says he's going to get this to everybody, and it's going to be free. And the left becomes crickets. Chirp, chirp, chirp. So, uh, you know, I... Less than four weeks away, potentially, a man who, for all intents and purposes, who is going senile, uh, either that or has Alzheimer's, is going to be the president of the United States of America. And his running mate, who's going to be vice president, who would ascend to the position of president if something should happen to him, could not even win one primary in her own party's nomination process. She achieved zero delegates. And if you want to say that's a white power sign leftist, go ahead. It's not. It's zero. It's not the white power sign. It's a zero. Goose egg. Would it be better if I go like that? Is it okay? Again, not not a white power sign. That's an okay sign. This is for those of you watching. If you're listening to this, you're probably saying the same thing if you're listening. He just did a white power sign. Don't believe in white power, you morons. I'm not a racist like you. So, yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. So let's get off the topic. You know, it was a, a good night for Pence. Congratulations to Mike Pence. He had a phenomenal debate. Uh, it was a good night for that fly who managed to be on air uh, for more than two minutes. So awesome, awesome job. I think it was a bad night for Kamala Harris and a bad night for moderators in general for these presidential debates because the moderator didn't do as bad a job as Mike Wallace, but she didn't, she, I think, 
we could have been such a better debate. But let's get on to another topic. You know, this social justice warrior nonsense that's going on across the country. There were a lot of riots uh, last night, by the way, in Wisconsin again and other parts of the country. And, you know, there's been, you've got on Twitter, Andy No, who's done a phenomenal job reporting on this stuff, uh, was reporting some of the riots, you know. So you have your, your, your routine players, the same actors, BLM and Antifa for all this social justice stuff, right? And whatever that social justice is, um, it doesn't make any sense what it is because, you know, let's, let's talk about that. What do, what do the Antifa people want? No fascism. Uh, intellectual giant Jane Fonda mentioned this fascism's got to stop. Okay, it, if, if, if we're such a fascist nation, how does she get to say these things without any repercussions? If we're such a fascist nation, how are these protests even allowed to exist? Because under fascism, they wouldn't. But put that aside, I, and I've said this several times, so since these protesters are denouncing fascism in leftist-run cities, well, is that where the fascists are? Are they in the Seattles of the world, the uh, Portlands? They're, they're in these leftist-ran cities, Milwaukee's? All these are ran by Democrats. And all these police departments are ran by cities, ran by Democrats. You know, the police department answers to the mayor, and if they're run by a Democrat, are they the fascists? Okay, I can buy that. I'm good with that. So, um, yeah, it's a question, you know, it's wonder about that question, right? And then BLM, the same thing. It's all about uh, police oppression of black men primarily. So um, all this also is happening in Democrat cities. So are all these Democrat cities where the racists are? I can definitely believe that because the Democrat Party is the party of slavery, is the party of segregation, is the party of Jim Crow, is the party of the KKK. So why can't we say they're the party of Antifa and BLM? They are. And, if you, if, you know, the Democrats in the 60s, 50s and 60s used the KKK, actually all through the early 1900s, used the KKK to help them achieve their goals. They were almost like the militant wing of the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party created the KKK, and the Democrat Party is doing the same thing with BLM and Antifa. They're not good groups, ladies and gentlemen. So with that, sports, athletics. Now, I'm not a big athletics guy. I'm not, I'm not in this. Um, I, don't like, I don't watch sports. Never have. Never enjoyed it. It's never been my cup of tea, if you will. Uh, I get it. I mean, I can go to a game at a, a live game, and I love that, the energy, you know, the, the enthusiasm in the air. I love that feeling when I go to a live uh, game, if it's a good game especially. But sports, eh, meh, for me, never been into it. So I'm a little bit biased on the topic. So I, I'm just, I don't pay attention to sports. But I understand it. I understand that it's strategic. I understand that you can learn leadership qualities from watching athletics, and I can, learn, I can understand how you can learn how to strategically plan out events for a win, in this case, sports. Same thing with military battle. It's all about strategics. It's the same thing with politics. You know, it's about leadership, strategically making decisions to win against the other side. I get all that. And of course, with athletics, it's the whole exercise part to the, the physical motion. I get all that. But it's also a business. And it's a big business. It's a multi-billion dollar big business. And it's also entertainment. 
at its core, it is entertainment. And this is what I've never gotten about entertainers. How do they not understand that their politics can turn people off and you don't want to be entertained by them anymore? I'll give you a perfect example as far as actors, right? George Clooney is a pretty good actor, but I can't watch that man anymore without seeing his politics. Just can't. Another one, Alec Baldwin. Early career of Alec Baldwin enjoyed his work. I mean, but now, every time I see Alec Baldwin, all I see is this frothing at the mouth leftist lunatic. I can't watch his work anymore. And that's what it is. It's his work. He's an actor. He's paid handsomely, I might add, to entertain me. The same goes for athletics. They are paid to entertain us. Well, where am I going with this? Ratings are in a free fall for sports. Ratings are down. Here's um, falling TV ratings across most sports. So NFL's down about, I think I saw 40-some percent down. Um, Baseball is down something like, I know one sport was down like 76%. So sports across the board uh, have reached all-time lows. Here's one. It's official. The NFL has reached some of its worst ratings yet. The NFL is in a complete downward spiral. At this point, it's a wonder how they can even afford to keep the lights on. According to the latest ratings, the NFL Sunday, Monday, and Thursday night games have all dropped wildly in viewership. Mainly, many are blaming this drastic decline on the coronavirus. We're going to get into that in a minute, but we all know the real reason. So Thursday night football was down an astounding 70% from last year. 70% from last year. That's huge. Now, why? You know, that's how they make their money. They make their money in the commercials. They make their money through advertising. That's how they make their money. They make their money in selling tickets to the arena. Not doing that. Now, it is down from the coronavirus because they're not, their revenue stream has been taken away from them because they're not allowing people into the stands. And that's a big revenue stream, but it's not the revenue stream. Their main revenue stream is advertising, playing this on TV. So NFL is down 70%. I think I saw somewhere where baseball is down like, 45%. So this article in USA Today from, what is it, Dan Wolken, I think it is. I mean, he goes on to upon why he thinks it is. Uh, and he thinks it's because we're in a pandemic. He thinks it's because we've changed behaviors. So we were smack in the middle of the barren sports landscape of April and May, it seemed natural to assume that the hunger to watch big events would build to a crescendo that would finally come back with no options other than classic games or documentaries. The only salvation was the promise of a fall cornucopia to give us our sports fix and then some. But the idea that sports coming back would automatically bring fans to the television in huge numbers has turned out to be inaccurate. In fact, it would be completely fair to say that the viewership for sports has been a bit disappointing. You think so? You think so, Dan? There are a lot of theories about why this has been the case, but the one that makes the most sense, question mark, and they show, by the way, a picture of uh, basketball players kneeling uh, with vote on their uh, jerseys or shirts or whatever. It turns out there might be, this is his theory. Here it is. It turns out 
there might be too much sports to watch. That's right. That's what he's saying. It turns out there might be too much sports to watch. And when you combine that with the lifestyle changes so many people have made during the COVID-19 pandemic, there is both an explanation for the drop in numbers and somewhat of a long-term warning for sports. Everyone is excited in the spring, like, oh, we'll have this incredible fall with so much sports to watch, said Austin Karp, the managing editor digital at Sports Business Journal, who closely tracks ratings and the sports television industry. But the problem is there is that tonnage. That's why we spread this out over the course of the year. People are inundated with, okay, I have football. Do I really need to watch the NBA playoffs? And it's the NBA, by the way, it was down. Uh, 45%. See, I don't follow sports. So if you said, uh, E, there is no baseball right now. I know. It's NBA. NBA is down like 45%. NFL is down 70% on Monday. Uh, the article goes on. My mind is trained to watch that in June. So what this guy is saying, and you may, leftists, I'm sure you're going to agree with this because you agree with all this social media nonsense and these social justice warriors that sports is down because there's too much sports. People are worn out from it. And then, oh, our, our habits have changed under COVID-19. We're no longer interested in sports because we haven't had it in a while. So why would we want to watch it now? Nonsense. Uh, but the article, you got to give it to this guy, man. He's stretching here. The average fan should not care how many people are watching a particular game of sport. If you enjoy it, you would watch it. Generally speaking, television ratings are a niche topic that only matter inside the industry. And yet the coverage they receive in the news media often leads people to seize on them to further a particular narrative. Dude, that's how this, the teams get paid. That's how they make money, by people watching. I mean, this is what this numb nuts doesn't get. People watch it. Commercials are aired. The advertisers pay money to air those commercials. The, the, the broadcasters make money. And through license agreements, the team makes money. Now, what happens if the ratings are down? Because it's not more than a, just a niche thing spoken by insider. Yeah, it's spoken by insider people because now what the, the advertiser can go, hey, listen, uh, you know that game you had where I know, you know a couple of years ago you had like 30 million people watching and this year you only got, you know, like um, 5 million watching? Um, about those ad rates, we think they should be a tad bit lower. Maybe like the viewership's down 70%, so should the ad rates. And whoosh, like that, 70% ad decline, ad uh, revenue decline. So, but the theory that fans are turned off by wokeness doesn't hold up when you consider the following. Oh, he's good. Oh, he's, he's good. He's, he's now going to show us that, wait a minute, if it's just the NFL and if it's just the NBA, he goes, ratings for the Stanley Cups were down 61%, final rounds for the U.S. Golf tournament held 3.2 million viewers by far the fewest going back more than 30 years the u.s open tennis tournament viewership fell sharply on espn down 45 percent the kentucky derby which normally gets one 15 million viewers only had 9.3 million even the nfl which has had some bright spots in the ratings thus far seemed to be holding steady had has had trouble getting viewers in certain windows like thursday night hence 70 percent decline so in other words the pattern is clear he says and it should lead us to examine what's really going on. There are four factors contributing to that. He goes, Dan goes on. There's a certain level of cannibalization on the calendar. So what he's trying to say is there's so much out there now. People just can't, it's too much, it's too much. The people don't know which ones to decide. So they're gonna decide all of them are down. Women, because there's cannibalization, all of them are down. Okay, I get that. Maybe it's true to an extent, but 
people tend to follow certain sports, whether it be football, basketball, golf, uh, tennis. There's a, they follow their favorites. So some may be down, but others, all of them across the board down? Yeah, I don't think so. His uh, number two point, it's not part of our natural cycle to be watching sports on weekday afternoons or NBA final games in October or triple crown races on the college football Saturday. So because it's different timing, not that people have been starved for it for eight months because the pandemic has shut everything down. It's because, well, now that we haven't had it, now we're getting too much. It's not normal. This isn't when I normally do it. But you haven't been doing it. So new norms. But anyway, point number three, lack of fans in the stands is psychological cue that these games don't mean as much. The crowd going crazy is part of the allure of watching sports on TV, Carp said. Crowds go wild and an expression for a reason. That's why they had the virtual ones, which look absolutely ridiculous, by the way. But it's the fourth point. There is a presidential election going on in a highly charged political climate, which echoes some of the data Carp saw from 2016 when some news and commentary shows were up 30%. Viewership in cable news networks is up significantly. And right now, especially once the president got COVID, that's all anyone was talking about. So it doesn't want to, he does, he, he does everything he can to steer this away from all this social justice warriorship going on, that it wasn't because Colin Kaepernick took a knee. No, 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 that's, that's not it. It's not because the NBA is wearing Black Lives Matters shirts and jerseys. No, 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 that's not it. It's not because the NBA refuses to stand for the national anthem um, and uh, takes a knee uh, for Black Lives Matters. No, no, that's not it. No, people are just worn out. People are just they're, just, they're just inundated with too much sports, too much sports. So no, 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 no. They've turned away because they... It's, it's out of their normal pattern. It's, it's just different now because of the, the pandemic. People, people's attention has gone elsewhere. And they're watching the presidential debates. Presidential debate last week, by the way, was down 30% from 2016. But I digress. So his theory, his thesis is it's not the wokeness that's happening in professional sports. Because it's only happening in, like, football. And basketball. Why wouldn't people watch tennis? That's not happening in tennis. Okay. So um, CNN did this um, post, the story, on October 1st of 2020. Uh, in photos, the sports world has been taking a stand. Dan, it's October. As I record this, it's October 8th. CNN just did this October one. A week ago. So let's, let's browse through the world of sports visually. Because in photos, they've taken a stand. All right, so the first picture we have is the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington football team stand together before the NFL season opener on 7-13th uh, in their wokeness for Black Lives Matter. On here's one. Tyler Wright, a two-time World Surf League champion, takes a knee before competing in an event in Tweed Heads, South 
Australia on September 13th. And she's taking her knee, her fist is in the air. She has her surfboard. And on the bottom of her surfboard, these words are written that say, Black Lives Matter. So it's not across all sports. You're like, E, that's all right. You said football. You just showed a surfer. I know. Uh, tennis star Naomi Osaka wears a face mask with Tamir Rice's name before winning the U.S. Open final on September 12th. Uh, she wore a different name for each of her seven matches. That's just so woke. She's just so woke. And, uh, but uh, all right, E, that's, that's tennis. Okay. There's other sports, right? Uh, now, okay, how about this one? Chelsea Pernelli Harder walks out for a warm-up before a soccer match in Lee, England on September 6th. On the back of her jersey, Black Lives Matters. Okay, so now we got soccer, we got tennis, we got surfing, we got football, we got basketball. What? I mean, I, this goes on and on and on. Black Lives Matter signage is seen in New York's Louis Armstrong Stadium. Uh, here's the member of the WNBA's Indiana Fever wear Black Lives Matter shirts before their game. Uh, oh, look at this baseball. Miami Martins outfielder Lewis Brinson walks off the field August 22nd after placing a Black Lives Matters t-shirt on home plate. We got a football dude here, whoever the hell he is, don't care. I'm not going to say his name with Jacob Blake's name on his helmet. We got the Washington Mystics pay tribute to Jake and Blake after the WNBA game was postponed in Palmetto, Florida. Jacob Blake was a rapist. And there's another, ooh, look, another MMA baseball. A grounds crew covers the field at San Francisco's Oracle Park after a Major League Baseball game was postponed. Up on the video screen, you see two baseball players taking a knee. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks make a statement to the media after boycotting the playoff games on August 26th. They've got their Black Lives Matters t-shirts on. All right. During a practice round for the BMW Championship Pro Golf, champion Cameron Champ used his shoes to show his support for Blake and the Black Lives Matters movement. And then, of course, the infamous LeBron James in his Black Lives Matters shirt. Oh, hockey. Why? <laughs> That's right. Hockey wouldn't do this, right? I mean, because the guy mentioned hockey in his, uh, his uh, um, uh, uh, article that, you know, why is the Stanley Cup down? End racism banners are shown in Toronto's uh, Scotiabank Arena before an NHL playoff game on August 26th. And it goes on and on and on and on of photos of national sports across the board. Remember Bubba Wallace, right? The NASCAR rider with the Black Lives Matters banner on his car. His car was painted in Black Lives Matter. And so this guy wants to say, it's not social justice. It's not them being woke is why the ratings are down. No, no. It's because you, as the consumer of this product, are tired. It's, it's out of your pattern. It's not what you normally do. It's not how you normally do it. You've learned something different. The presidential election's taking all the attention away. No. 
Professional sports are down across the board because these Nimrod athletes decided that their political commentary and social warriorship is more important than them actually doing their job of entertaining you. They are entertainers, ladies and gentlemen. They are not leaders. They are not politicians. They do not make policy. They are entertainers. And we, as the American people, are tired of it. This is why media across the board is struggling, and sports is media. By injecting all this social justice nonsense into this, by lying to the American people, because we're not stupid. The American people are not stupid. We see it. We know that Jacob Blake is a rapist. We know that he attempted uh, to grab a knife. We know, hey, that Breonna Taylor, she was, uh, you know, you know, her ex-boyfriend was drug dealer. We know Brianna Taylor was surrounding herself with some bad people. We know that the search warrant was, had Brianna Taylor's name on it. We know the police were at the right door. We know George Floyd was a drug addict. We know George Floyd uh, put a gun to a pregnant woman's belly. We know this. We know hands up, don't shoot is false. We know all of this. And you trying to inject this nonsense into our entertainment? People are just going to go find other things to be entertained by. Because you know what? That's what we, we like entertainment. We humans, we want to be entertained. We live busy lives. Some of us stressful lives. We don't want this in our face 24-7. We are not racist. We are not anti-government. We are not anti-poverty. We are not anti-blacks, whatever. We are not who the left paint us to be. We are normal, everyday working people who have a diverse group of friends and family around us. We are family-oriented. We want what's best for our family, and we understand what's best for our family is best for everybody else that helps the world. We want peace. We want love. We want harmony. We want to be left alone to live our lives and not have this crap pushed in our faces. We do not want to be told we're racist. We're tired of it. The word has no meaning anymore. We do not want to be told we're mansplaining to a woman who's running for one of the highest offices of the land because she's black and she's a woman. We're tired of it. That's how Trump won in 2016. And God willing, that's how Trump wins in 2020. Thanks for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Woody over here again, he's got a woof for you. And his woof is please visit our website, thepblpodcast.com and like and uh, our YouTube page, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Remember, life is not a matrix. It is an algorithm. Thanks for listening to the PBL Podcast. Very excited to tell you about a partnership I have with Hollywood casting director Kathy Rinkin. Now, Kathy, who's been in the Hollywood business since 1994, casting for films and televisions, has put together a workshop where she takes her acting chops and teaches business professionals charisma 
coaching. Now, Kathy has been working with actors for years, teaching them how to be more charismatic on camera. So why is charisma coaching for you? If you are in business and you are in front of people or your staff, your team is in front of people, whether it be through networking, public speaking, or even dealing with the media on camera, charisma coaching will help you uncover your natural sexiness. Yes, I said sexiness. It'll help you create chemistry in the room by making about the other person. It'll show you how to express vulnerability and still show strength as well as control the adrenaline rush when they're either with a crowd of people or again, talking with the media in front of camera. So if you are in business and your team is out there interacting, or if you want to develop a skill set where you're comfortable in front of a crowd and a camera, then contact Kathy at youritfactor.net or reach out to her via phone at 720-985-8852. That is youritfactor.net. You you're going to love this workshop.